Welcome to the Illuminati Podcast. Uh, hey, Nate. Hey, buddy. Uh, we lost a basketball game to Morgan State by 10 points at home in front of literally dozens of people. Not hundreds, because that would require at least 200 people. Dozens. Of dozens. People. But by the tens, they came out. By the tens, they came out. They came, they saw the Morgan State, Google's Bears, and uh, that's really bad. They shot under 35% from the floor against a MEAC team that they paid to come in and take a check and beat you. And that's so if any hopes that you had had after Saturday night about USF men's basketball being like mildly competitive this year, I think might be time to reassess those things because this team might be really, really, really bad. Still. Yeah, this is going to be if so, you know, first year ever. Is this a year zero? Oh, it's a year like, like a, minus. It's like a minus two. Minus two, man. <laughs> it's my minus two. <laughs> Jeez, like the Las Vegas Golden Knights started off better when they expanded. I don't know. We Absolutely. This is a bad spot. But here, my one of my favorite quotes from a USF coach this season in full. Brian Gregory, after USF loses by 10 to Morgan State. I'm not sure if anyone wearing our uniform should take anyone lightly, to be honest. Well, at least he's not beating around the bush. Flames. That's a good sign. Woo, smoking. Darren Samuel, who was the leading scorer with 13 points, former national champion at UConn. Our defense was awful tonight. We, we definitely overlooked them. I saw some guys joking around and laughing before the game. We need to bring it every night, regardless of what team we're playing. I like this kid. Look at that. Grad student taking some accountability after the game. I like it. Nice job, Terrence Samuel. Um, pump the brakes. He saw some oh. guys joking around. Did mm-hmm. he do anything about it? I don't know. Maybe if maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But the point is, is that he's willing to point it out and say that look, we didn't. We are we weren't ready. We didn't handle this correctly. And senior leadership, fifth-year student leadership. Kids played at three different schools. Like, he's, you know, been around a little bit. I kind of like that. I don't know. With all these grad transfers and, uh, you know, seniors coming in, I mean, we're not that young of a team, even though we're starting off with nothing. That shouldn't happen. I mean, we've got a guy with a national championship. We've got... Hashtag big for nothing with the Juco championship. Um, our point guard, Stefan, I'm not even going to say his last name because one Jiggins. of these days. It, yep. Jiggins. Um, I mean, he's played in the NCAA tournament. There is so much experience. I think they they played like three of the, the three grad transfers have played in over 200 college games. And this is happening. You, I mean, if we're setting a tone, the tone's not great game two. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not good. But, you know, I'm not going to be, like, overwhelmingly furious here. Like, it's one game. Like, what, we're playing for, like, this is going to hurt us down the stretch for our NCAA bid? You know, come on. Like, yeah. It's going to hurt you with the committee? Eh, come on. What matters um, is going to play. And I, I would rather them, you know, sometimes you need to get knocked around to get things woken up. Look at your football team. You know, I, I could make the argument that the Houston game made them take a little second look at themselves and that it ended up being a good thing. 
Yep. Uh, so, but yeah. we probably should have known it was going tonight was going to be bad when the shot clock and the game clock were not working properly for large portions of the game. I mean, the, the game uh, operation staff clearly had a rough night. There are three or four stoppages apparently because the shot clock wouldn't work and it extended out, you know, the entire game and it became a problem. Um, got a little awkward in there for a little bit. Apparently. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't watch it. I didn't see it. I was there Saturday night, but I was not there tonight. So not great, Bob, but you know what? Yeah. I mean, it was, how upset can we be with the team? Only, you know, they lose their second game ever that they've only, that they've ever played. How, how many can we be? You know, you're, you're going to go through ups and downs when you have a brand new program like this. I suppose so. I was just expecting better. I mean, the one good thing about this team, they hit the free throws. They shot 85% from the line tonight, hey. 17 to 20. Good Fundamentals, baby. Oh, yeah. Fundamentals. Those are three like points it. that you guys got to knock down, and they did. So, you know, they didn't leave – those points out there because it would have been closer game and they had just missed their free throws. Like if we had a team last year and previous years uh, and they just missed their free throws, it's a little bit tougher pill to swallow. My grandfather, Irish Catholic Fox news viewer before he passed, God rest his soul would have loved that. He just hated, he hated all of that. Oh, you missed free. How can you miss free throws? Don't you need to be in there and practice shooting them every day, making sure they all go in. Da 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 da. My grandfather would have loved this team. 85%. Yeah. Fantastic. You know, and <laughs> again, if there if there was if there was a team previously, they kept the tradition alive of shooting just poorly from three point range, four of sixteen. That's good for twenty five percent for you non math inclined people. Just awesome. Awesome all around. Uh, be sure to check out Sandy's uh, game recap. I believe it's gonna be up in a few minutes. So by the time you hear this, it'll be up. So check that out. Check everything we have out on the site. Colin, you wrote something uh, Saturday or Sunday pertaining to yeah. the indoor practice facility. Yes. Yeah, what so was that Les about? Les Muma um, made a legacy gift of $15 million to the university in addition to the like $25 million he already gave to the uh, college business and some other things, in addition to the now climbing up on 60 some million dollars that he's given to the university in total. This is, you know, it's our version of T-Boone, you know, Pam and Les Muma have done amazing, incredible things for this university and they are to be thanked. It is, uh, we need more people like that, quite frankly, uh, that are, you know, USF alumni that have done well, that are willing to give back, that are active and engaged. I, I see, you know, I don't know Les Muma. We've met a couple of times, but I see him out at events in every road game that I go to, whether it's, you know, anywhere. I saw him, you know, when I go to the Big East tournament, I'd see him up there every single year. So we need more people that are bought in and invested in the program like this that have means that want to bring other people with them. And the reason he wanted to give this gift is because he wants to bring other people along with him. This is not the naming rights for, for any indoor facility either. He wants to keep those open so that other people get involved. So it's not just the Muma College business and the Muma Center for Basketball and all the other Muma things. And he wants other people to get involved in athletics. And he's trying to get some other people to put those names up on buildings. So that's fantastic. Uh, this is a legacy gift. So it will be when, when Les and Pam are no longer with us that we <laughs> that USF gets the money. So I don't know how that affects um, apparently there's, you know, there, there are, I know there are ways to borrow against a, a, 
a legacy gift so that it can help you get a, a become realized capital now. Mm-hmm. It's a complicated process. It involves, you know, it's like basically kind of like some sort of reverse reverse mortgage almost. And there's a way to do it, but how it affects what kind of money it will be for USF to actually get a shovel in the ground. I just don't know. So there, it, how it affects our ability to do it. I just don't have enough information, but $8 million, you know, by dollar sign is the largest gift ever given to USF athletics by far and away. And so that is a, a huge moment for the bulls. Uh, and we need more people like Les Muma if, if USF is going to get where they want to go. That's for sure. $5 million will kickstart the construction for a football center. Um, mm-hmm. This is from uh, the Tampa Bay Times story from Claire McNeil, who who had the scoop. and Scoop uh, a loop from Claire. Nice job. Yeah, that was a good job by her. Um, so $5 million for the football center. And then men's basketball, women's basketball, and men's golf is also getting a million dollars. So shout out to the Mumas. You're the yeah, real MVP. You're the real MVP. That's for darn sure. And uh, I hope you can bring some of your friends with the means along with you, because that's what the Bulls are going to need to get forward. So if I, I know Les Mumas company was Fiserv. Anybody who needs anything with Fiserv, go support Fiserv. I don't know if, he's, if that's still his company, but I believe that's where um, most of his uh, wealth came from. So go support Fiserv. And thank you again to the Mumas for being the most generous and most influential donors they, that the university's ever had. Absolutely. Can't thank them enough. All right, Colin, there's a football game this week. What? Yeah. And it's, you mean, uh, I got to leave important. work. I got to leave work early on Thursday. I actually. know. So, so I start a new job and they're like, well, when can you start? And I'm like, um, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm subcontracting right now. I'm freelancing. So I can basically start whenever they're like, can you start tomorrow? I'm like, sure. But I'm probably going to need a few days off. <laughs> and uh, I'm kind of need off the next Thursday, like I'm like next Thursday, uh, the Friday after Thanksgiving, <laughs> possibly the Saturday after that, and maybe December 31st as well. <laughs> <laughs> Ask it for days off before you even get started. Go Bulls. So Tulsa's defense. Oh, uh, oh. they are uh, so bad. So and bad. I have like, I- I have watched them all year because every time Tulsa's on, you you just see them move the ball between the twenties and you go, Oh, they look pretty like competent. They look like they can do some things on offense. And then and then they get inside the red zone and they do dumb dumb shit and they, you know, turn the ball over and they use three different quarterbacks and they go, whatever, you know, they bench the president and then they bring in the other kid and he runs around more and then he fumbles or they throw it away. And and then the defense gets on the field. And then that's just like watching. It's like watching a gas can just be poured on a, yeah. a, a fire. They are so bad. It's the so, worst defense I have. I, I I think it's the worst defense I've ever seen in this conference. Yeah, they are it, atrocious. It's, it's kind of like a combination of the 2016 Bulls defense and like what was it like the 04 Bulls defense, but with if way they, worse players. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just so bad. Um, so, so they're 129th defensively in S&P plus, um, 38th on offense. It's, it's USF 2016 2.0, except worse. 
like way worse. They can't it cover so Nate bad. in the slot. They literally Nate would. You're a big man, but they cannot cover you uh, like going over the middle in the slot. Well, see, they just can't cover anything. Um, see, I'm white, so the commentators would say, you know, he's gritty and just say he plays the, the plays the game the right way. He's deceptively <laughs> fast, great hands. Uh, so I mean, well, with the lack of throwing the tight ends, maybe not. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh dear. So defensively, they're 122nd in efficiency uh, success rate. 126 in isolated points per possession with explosiveness. Average field position, not bad, 28.6. But points per trip inside the 40, they're 122nd in the nation defensively. Wow. Which is, uh, yikes. That is uh, so toasty. It is so toasty. Rushing. Defense, it's not there. That's that's not a thing for them. Um, 110th, and then passing's even worse. 114th. I mean, they they don't do anything well offensively for them. They've used two quarterbacks. Uh, they brought in the freshman Luke Skipper after I guess they didn't like Chad President anymore. Um, he has three three touchdowns, four interceptions. He's been sacked 14 times in. 11 fewer pass attempts than Chad president. He's been sacked nine more times. His sack rates 10.8% as a team. They've thrown five touchdown passes this year. Wow. As a team. Not great, Bob. Not great. So, so, so here's the thing. Yeah. USF, um, opened at 21 and a half. It's up to 22 and a half. I want to say, yeah, I saw 22. I saw 23, but I mean, six yeah, 23 between 22 and a half and 23 depends on where you get it. I mean, that sounds about right to me. And I do think Tulsa is going to score a couple. They're going to score. Know, they, think, can, they can run the ball. They can run the ball. And, you know, they're, they haven't seen a defense, you know, up that front up front that's as good as USF. So <laughs> I don't think they'll run the ball as efficiently as they normally do, but they're going to put a couple in. But here's the thing I, if USF's offense, they, they need to add. What was USF last year? Almost like six points of possession at some points. Um, let me pull that up real quick. I have I have the stat profiles um, up. There were there were games last year where USF was in the like high fives, low sixes in terms of points per possession. That's uh, kind of where they need to be in this game. Yeah. So uh, last year, uh, points per trip inside the forty, they were first in the nation at five point uh, five two. Right. So that's. That needs to be right about where USF needs to be in this game. Uh, they need to just be efficient and take advantage of the terrible things that, that Tulsa does. This is like a shell defense, and they need to score with the ball every time they touch it until they put the until they put the backups in. Yeah, that's what the game plan should be for this game. I don't see any way that Tulsa, but you know, weird stuff happens Thursday night. If there's ever going to be a look ahead game in the history of college football, it's this one. Yeah. So they do need to stay focused. They do need to, you know, you still got to try. It's still college football. You still got to try because the team that tries does end up winning sometimes. Ask Morgan State tonight. Yeah. So uh, I think USF <sighs> wins big, you know, and I, I want to see them. This better be at least a 50 burger. And I prefer even a little bit more, maybe. Absolutely. And how should we get to that 50 burger is going to be interesting. So 
tight ends and running backs this year. Mitchell Wilcox, Ken O'Dillon, and then the stable of running backs that have you know, been through, you know, De'Arns Johnson, Trevon Sands, Darius Tice, Davion Sutton for a little bit. He got 10 carries this year. In the passing game, they have uh, been non-existent, and that is a staple in a Sterling Gilbert offense. Um, so Mitchell Wilcox and Kano Dillon this year. Are you ready for this? Oh, I'm listening. 31 targets. Uh-huh. 20 catches. Uh-oh. 153 combined yards. Woof. One touchdown. Now it's Mitchell Ugh. Wilcox. Over the middle last time. Under eight yards per catch. That's ridiculous. Okay. Now let's look back at 2016. All right. Mm-hmm. 39 targets. Better. About roughly the same. 20 catches. Exactly the same. Okay. 455 yards. Wow. Four touchdowns. Better. About 23 yards per catch. So what you're saying is USF threw the ball to the tight end just as much last year as they do this year, except they got three times as many yards. Yep. So we're, we've played nine games, and this is over a 13-game season, and we've thrown the ball to the tight ends eight fewer times this year through nine games. Same amount of catches. Hmm. Nothing. No explosive plays. No, that's the worst. No explosive plays. That's and it's really th- those seam routes last year were fantastic. And it, it, that yeah. that is kind of like Quentin Flowers' safety valve. When you get Mitchell and Kano lined up against a tight uh, against a linebacker, that's a win because those guys are big, fast, strong, and you get past pretty much any linebacker in this conference. Right. So, again, if that's going to be the thing that USF opens up against the Knights, I'm fine with it. If Wilcox and Kano combine for like 270 yards (laughs) over the middle (laughs) against the Knights, it's all worth it, man. But they have certainly been underutilized to this point, and that needs to change. All right. On Black Friday, maybe not even this week. I may not even want to put those plays in this week. Why put them on film? I guess so. Yeah, you know, but like against the Knights, how many, how often are the tight ends and the running backs getting involved in the passing game? I think that's going to be a huge key to whether or not USF wins that game. Did you say running backs? Because I have those stats too, and they're even worse. Oh, do tell Nathan. Okay, so everyone knows Dearness Johnson fantastic receiver out of the backfield. There's a reason why he was called the Swiss army knife in the, of the running backs. Right. Absolutely. This year, 13 targets, seven catches, 89 yards, two touchdowns. That's just 89 more yards than us. Just 89 more yards. And then okay. Darius Tice has three targets, two catches, 13 yards. Okay. Combined. That would be 101 Two yards, 102 yards, 102 yards on nine catches. Math major. Continue. Okay. Mm -hmm. Last season, Marlon Mack had 39 targets by himself. Third on the team. It's pretty good. He had 28 catches, 227 yards. Okay. Okay. 
Dearness Johnson. And he was not and he was not that great a, a pass catcher out of the backfield. No. Let's like he, emphasize that. That is not max strength of his game either. But, but Willie knew he wanted to highlight him, get his draft stock up, help him out, and that's what he did. I I countless times I saw Quentin and Mac on the side working on pass catching. Just yep. Quentin would throw him throw him, you know, every which way, making sure Marlon had the hands because freshman sophomore year kind of stone hands. Absolutely. Dearness Johnson, not stone hands. He had 30 targets, caught 28 of his 30 targets for 293 yards and five touchdowns. Get these guys involved, get them involved. They're really, really, really good. Use them. They are weapons. They're weapons to catch passes, to keep defenses honest. When you're when running backs are catching the ball in the flat and running with it, it's generally because they have a one-on-one matchup and they can win that matchup. Absolutely. Do this, do this, do this, do this. It's the it's the biggest glitch in the matrix right now, you know. And I just hope that they, you know, we saw a lot. We saw a lot more of this against UConn. We saw them doing some things, you know, getting more players involved, getting them involved in different ways. That, you know, Dernis Johnson's touchdown where he's out there as a blocker and then slips to the end zone. Mm-hmm. That's that is literally USF. Football. That is exactly what we want USF football to be. Just show it more. And I just hope they show it through the end of the season. Now they know they yep. can do it. You know, it's there. Just put it in. All right. And I'm looking at uh, 2016 Texas, their stat profile, because that's where Sterling Gilbert came from. Mm-hmm. Oh, if you look at their, their, if you look at the receiving stats. The first nine guys, the top nine, all wide receivers. Wow. Deontay Foreman, who ran for over 2,000 yards, was the central focus of that offense. Had eight targets, seven catches, 75 yards. Wow. Um, And then only one other running back recorded a target, and it was two, two targets, two catches, 10 yards. And then the tight ends had six targets and caught all six passes. It's it's not part of Sterling's offense. It's never been. Uh, looking back to 2015 Tulsa when he was the OC there, same thing. Uh, D'Angelo Brewer, uh, he had 17 targets, 15, 15 catches, 107 yards, and one touchdown. T- only one tight end recorded a target, and it was seven targets, four catches, 29 yards. It's just not a part of his offense. He wants to highlight the wide receivers. And granted, we have great wide receivers, but you cannot forget about you know, maybe two of the best positions on offense right now. We we have running backs who can catch the ball, who can block and slip, who, you know, wheel routes. You know, one of De'Aaron's touchdowns this year was on the wheel route. It was the rollout right, pass left. That we, you know, it's it's kind of bad when you can remember the touchdowns because there's so yeah. few of them. Right. When this guy was so good out of the backfield last year, it's it's frustrating to see. Well, three. Let's change it now. Now's the time. Switch it up. Let's get everybody involved now. And uh, and there's still plenty of time to fix it because guess what? It's all not going to matter as long as we beat the Knights. We will for, we will forget about all of these things if they can find a way to beat the Knights and play for a conference championship. Yeah. 
Just quick note, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, he has 720 yards. He is 102 yards away from breaking Rodney Adams' single-season all-time record, which he set last year, on 64 catches. So he's close. Or 62 catches, excuse me. And MVS only has 44. Wow. So he's he's doing it with some efficiency. Big plays. When you get those 95-yard catching the yeah. it, it it'll help hopefully four games left but definitely three games left if he doesn't get hurt he will become the first 1000 yard receiver in a season for usf in year 21 that's insane it is we've had some great wide receiver i mean great for us maybe not great in normal aspects, but we've had some very good wide receivers. Like D'Andrew Rubin was great. Carlton Mitchell was great. I think if Carlton Smith, Huey Whitaker. Yeah. I mean, there are so many guys. SJ Green. He's still playing in the CFL. He's like on year 14. It's insane. You know, I think if Carlton Mitchell stays for a senior year, I think he probably had a good chance of breaking, getting over that threshold. Um, Still kind of bitter about him leaving early. Him and Darrell Scott. Shouldn't have left early, early guys. Bad advice, but I can't hate you for getting the paycheck. Uh, paycheck. So that would be an incredible accomplishment for MVS to be the standalone only uh, guy. And you know we've said this all season. That kid is a freak of nature talent, and he's gonna he's an NFL guy. I just want to see where he goes in the NFL. There are this this wide receiver class is just freaking loaded this year. So, you know, he's behind guys like, you know, Cortland Sutton and, and, and uh, Miller from uh, Memphis. And mm-hmm. that's just in our league, you know, like he's not, he's great, but this is just a loaded class and he's in a loaded conference with wide receivers too. So he may Absolutely. not get the, the national pub that he deserves, but so he's going to make an NFL roster and he's going to be an impact player. Um, just real quick on the wide receivers, uh, Trey Quinn from SMU. And Anthony Miller from Memphis made the uh, Blitnikoff uh, semifinalist or finalist list for their year. So, wow, power power six, baby, power six. And did and Sutton didn't make that list. No, uh, it oh. seems like uh, Trey Quinn has taken over the number one role at SMU. But he's doing that because Sutton is. I mean, Sutton's like a top three pick. Yeah, there I are mean, some boards that have Sutton is like up hardcore. Yeah. He's getting doubled up. So like Sutton, I mean, Sutton's that kid's an absolute freak. But I, I mean, if you like big play guys, they're they're, they they definitely have two different skill sets. But like Miller in a championship game, legitimately terrifying. How good that kid is. Yes, the way that they are clicking right now, um, just that's going to be the biggest challenge for any USFDB that I can remember is if USF gets to a championship game, it has to face yeah. Miller. So we'll see. Uh, cause I he's mean, bounced. Trey Quinn's a junior for SMU. So I mean, he could be coming out too. He has 96 catches for over a thousand yards, eight touchdowns. I mean, goodness gracious. <sighs> okay. Defensively for the bulls, it's going to have, it's going to start with stopping the run. Typically, you know, that pretty, pretty normal stuff there. So you got to stop the run and they, they, they run the ball really well. Tulsa does, uh, rushing their 54th and rushing S and P 
Um, they have three guys with at least nine touchdowns or with at least eight touchdowns, excuse me. Their top four guys are averaging over five yards a carry. Wow. We, we got we to gotta stop them. That's stop. But a lot of that, to be fair, a lot of that's between the 20s. And they tend to buck down to the red zone. They, they struggle in that spot. So yeah. um, I don't know what the red zone efficiency is in S&P, but I've watched enough of them this year to say it's not good. So we should probably move on to questions and things along those lines, because it looks like we got a bunch. Yep. Um, well, let's do this real quick. We'll do women's soccer. They- oh, snap. My fault. Yeah. All right, guys. So I Anthony. do a rundown and we go over it every I know, single week. I know. And I screw it up because I'm the worst, but like I, I get distracted. But yeah, we need to <laughs> shout out women's soccer. Cause, um, yeah. Yep. They beat uh, FGCU uh, three nothing Friday or excuse me, Saturday afternoon to move on to the second round. It's just the second time in program history that they've moved on to the second round. And they terrible job. Terrible job by us not sending a reporter to the game. Yeah, well. Bad job by us. We had a lot to do. We, we couldn't get anybody out there. Sucks. We apologize. Yeah. Um, and the best part is the higher rank, the two seed in our bracket, your Knights of Central Florida, uh, goes out there, gets Wazoo in the first round. Dream matchup for them because literally Wazoo has to fly all the way across the country on short notice from West coast to East coast, 3000 plus miles. What do the Knights do? The number two seed in the region, which means they're somewhere between the fifth and eighth best team in women's soccer. They score an own goal and lose one nil. (laughs) (laughs) So their last three, their last three games went draw. Okay. Well, yeah. So draw USF to end the regular season then win in the conference semifinal, lose on P or technically lose as a draw, but lose on PKs in the conference final, watch USF win the trophy on their home field and then blow the NCAA tournament on an own goal against a team that flew 3000 miles across the country on short notice. They shook. They got shook. They got that is that is a <laughs> epic choke. I mean, can you imagine being like the a two seed in the men's NCAA tournament and finishing the season that way? Like in basketball? That like, is that is such an epic Yeah. <laughs> that is such an epic choke job. I mean, this is like it, it I, that's one of the highest rated teams the Knights have ever had, and they just fell apart. Like holy mackerel. They just wanted so. to be with their families during Thanksgiving and whatnot. And they had they had a big test on Monday. It was just they weren't concentrating. But your Bulls get to go up to Gainesville Friday night. Who they can beat and they can beat 6 them. 6 p.m. They can beat them. Apparently this is a winnable game. UCF is better than Florida, from what our intrepid soccer reporter Carl Z has told us. Absolutely. Uh, so we'll see. Uh Evelyn Viennes uh was amazing again. Scored the first goal, assisted on the last two. Uh, just, she's so good. And she's a sophomore. She, yeah, I know. She's Courtney Williams good. They got to hope she, she plays four years because she's yeah. Courtney Williams. Like, she can go play professional soccer in Europe right now and get paid a lot of money. Um, and I don't know if they're going to be able to keep her all four years. It's, I, you know, I don't know her well, but you watch that girl play there in women's soccer. Like when the elite talents are out there, you can really see it because they're just so much faster, stronger, 
better on the ball. Mm-hmm. Demi Stokes for US for Demi Stokes for the USF women was like that. And now she plays for I think uh, who is it? Everton. I think it's Everton ladies and and has gotten some time for uh the English national team as well. But I think Evelyn's like possibly even better from what I've seen. She's just that girl's freak, man. Like one of the best athletes any sport USF has ever had. Absolutely. Uh, she's been amazing through two years and uh, stay, stay two more, please. please stay two um, more. all right. Shout out to the girls. Uh, hopefully Carl's going to that game. If he's not, he's bad at his job. Um, yeah. And we'll let's uh, move on to Twitter and Facebook questions. We got, we got a few good ones from you guys. Um, Let's start off with just an easy question to just ease us right in. You know, this is from Shane McClanahan. Um, I, don't really, <laughs> I don't really know who this guy is. I guess he's a pitcher for our baseball team or something. I guess he throws like 96, 97 or something. I don't know. I guess he's decent. Um, he asks, are hot dogs considered sandwiches? <laughs> I think a hot dog is a sandwich. I do not. I'm willing. I don't have a strong opinion on this. This isn't like one of these where I can like really go off on a rant. I can I can be I can be convinced either way, but it is a piece of meat. There's meat between two sides, surrounded on all sides by bread. That's good enough for me to be a sandwich. But if you want to call, if you want to say a hot dog is a hot dog and it's not a sandwich, because it, it is open faced and you use a different type of roll. You don't necessarily use two pieces of bread as you would in a traditional sandwich. I could really go either way on this one. I guess, I mean, it could be closer to a hoagie, right? Or like a Philly cheesesteak type of thing where one end is closed. So Correct. Yeah. So, you know what? Hot take, hot dogs or hoagies? Let's go hot that route. Hoagies. <laughs> Let's go hot that route. A hoagie. I'm from Philly. It's a hoagie. <laughs> hoagie. Excuse me. Part did of me, see, lady. Did anyone see that Jimmy uh, Fallon, Tina Fey thing about the hoagie? No. Saturday Night Live. Nothing. Okay. Uh, I can't even do the accent. I can't even do the accent. I'm from there and I can't do the accent that well. Um, This next question, this might be like a 20 minute answer. Uh, This is from Ginger at Jay McDiddles. I know that guy. What can be done to honor Flowers and all that he has done for the program? Um, Can't really retire number. Can't really retire numbers in college football. Um, maybe someday when they do an on-campus stadium, you can do like some sort of ring of honor. How many guys before he gets in for like, how many guys are ahead of him? Blackwell. Oh, oh, wait, well, no, at this point, nobody, I don't think anyone is ahead of him necessarily, but I would say if you were going to do this, like a ring of honor, you would probably want to honor the older guys that would just be worthy first before you get to the newer guys. So I don't know if anybody necessarily gets in over him, but the way that they might do it with like an inaugural class, they might go back and and grab a couple guys from the past. So I would go um, Blackwell, Koika Mitchell, George Self, maybe Nate Allen, you maybe Nate, Nate, definitely for his NFL career. Definitely the, probably the most successful USF pro outside of JPP. The knock on JPP is of course, he only played one year here. Still counts. Still counts. Absolutely still counts. And he was great when he was here. He was a freak. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam Barrington. 
Anson Bear, uh, St- Snake Nicholas too, especially because he came back. As oh well. yeah, Mike Mike Jenkins for sure. Jank. Oh yeah, for sure. In fact, Jake probably had a better NFL career than, than Nate did, and they're both DBs. Yeah. Well, see, that's questionable. I love Nate. I love Mike, but their NFL careers long. A lot of he, money. Yeah, I guess longevity but, trumps. That's hard to do in that league. Goodness, I guess. And yeah, I mean, Nate, as an, I'm an Eagles fan, Nate Allen just got killed by Eagles fans, like just murdered by him. I'm gonna well, every time, like you know, when you're Cowboys fan and Cowboys fans kill Mike Jenkins like that too. So when you're the guy that gets picked with the Donovan McNabb selection, you're it, it's gonna happen, right? It, For sure. Like, you give up your what top three, top two quarterback of all time for a second round pick, and he he's got to live up to that height. I think they'll go. They won't use Quentin's uh, Quentin's number for a couple of years, like they're doing with Mark. Like no one's wearing number five this year. It's just not not happening, guys. Right. Um, yeah. you know, eventually, you know, Grothy's number was used again. Um, Mark Wallace was used. BJ's is used, um, but at least for the next year or two, his number's not going to be. Um, used. Now, if we get a practice facility or, you know, 25 down, 25 years down the line when we get an on-campus stadium, that football's still a thing after all the, you know, concussion stuff and statue. I wouldn't be opposed to a statue of him. I'm opposed to a statue. Eh. You say stat, I'm opposed to a statue. Like a ring of honor is, is perfectly fine. We had the statue thing. You build statues for Heisman's, okay? Like anything short of like Heisman or national championship, no statue. Yeah, but I mean, can we build a statue because Sterling Gilbert call, uh, killed any Heisman ho- uh, hopes that he had this year before even stepping onto the field? Sadly, unfortunately, we cannot because you cannot like place it in context. And yeah, I, he he absolutely got screwed by this offense this year. It, uh, yeah. it really hurt his ability to be a, a contender for major awards on the national scene. He should have been. It's unfortunate. It's the way it goes. No statue. Ring of Honor, first ballot hall class. Put okay. him in there. No question. I'm all in. Like, I can make the argument now that he's the best player in USF history. But statue, nah, not doing that. I'm against the statue for Levitt. I'm against statues for anything that's okay. gone on with this program so far. I'm against statues for university presidents. I'm against statues you really got to hold out. Gators, I'm okay with their statues. Tebow, Spurrier, I'm good with that. That's the kind of level you need to get to to be building statues. Okay. Fair enough. I'll defer to you on that. Okay. Um, Next question is from Mark V at Lethal Weapon MV. What do you expect the spread to be? for the war on I four game tomorrow, if they played and remember both teams still have to play a game before they get to each other. Seed out uh, by six and a half. Yeah, it's exactly what I was going to say to the, to the, to the half. I was going to say six and a half. I so, think yeah. that's like nights by, by less than a touchdown and they make you lay the hook. Yeah. Um, I think that's it for the Twitter questions. You want to, you got anything oh, else to add? 
Yeah. So it's senior night on, I don't know if you've heard of it, uh, yep. Thursday. I wrote a story about it on 813area.com. If you guys want to check that out. You absolutely did. Uh, to be pointed out, there's not going to be a lot of people there. And that is for a confluence of reasons. It is because we're playing at a terrible time for attendance. We are playing a not great opponent that we're going to likely, you know, be pretty good. And that's just unfortunate because this senior class, like, you know, Augie Sanchez, Augie Sanchez has been here since like 2004. Okay. (laughs) Real life 2013. Real life 2013. But it feels like 2004. And, you know, what these guys have done for this university, guys like, you know, Darius Tice, Dernis Johnson, Quentin Flowers. um, Cam Ruff. Augie Sanchez. Jeremy Hall. Cam Ruff. Jeremy Hall. Yeah, I mean. Mike Love, Bruce Hector. I mean, the list goes on. They went through so much crap. So many of them came here, two and ten, four and eight, you know, eight and five, eleven and two, and then whatever they get through this year. They are the reason that this program got turned around. When they were two and ten and four and eight, and we're all sitting there going, This team is trash. They could have quit. And they didn't. And they deserve a better send off than they're going to get Thursday night. Yep. And, and I hope that they understand that that is a confluence of circumstances. And it's it not is, a reflection on them. It is not a reflection on them. They, they are appreciated. They are loved. This fan base will always love them. There will always be a home for them at USF. Uh, I hope all of them get their degrees and are active and come back and be a part of this university in the future. I mean, there's like 12 of them already that already have their degrees that are technically grad students. Right. And, and just, you know, God bless them, you know, and, and just thank you. Thank you for being a part of this. Thank you for being a part of this university. We're not, we're not where we are without you. Willie Taggart's not at Oregon without you. Nope, definitely (laughs) not. And it's, you know, Willie said that the 2016 class were the pillars of what the program is now. But this 2017 class, even without Marlon Mack, who should be included in this class, if he had, he had, sure. he had stayed senior, they took this program five steps ahead of where I think anyone could have thought it would be. When Willie took over those first two years, the jump that they made from 2015 to now, or from you know 2013 to now, is amazing. And I can't be more grateful to this this class. You know, I when Willie took the Oregon job, I wrote this entire piece about how this team, like I stopped watching during the Antichrist's uh, final couple final years. Like I just I couldn't watch anymore. And then my mom got sick. And then she died on the day of the SMU game in 2015, and they won. And it it kind of clicked. I went to my first game that year, uh, first game in like four years, um, the Cincinnati game. And 
for better or worse, I have the special like when Dietrich returned that pick six against Cincinnati in 2015, it came straight to like my side. Like I was in the end zone and he came like running up to our side and there was a connection that I hadn't felt with this program in, you know, five years. And yeah. I, I'm forever grateful. And the 2014 recruiting class, so four years seniors, uh, it, it's possibly the best class we've ever had. All right. Um, that's I'm, an argument. I'm looking at it right now. Eric Mays, your starting left tackle. Rasheem Bronson, he'll be back next year. He was an ESPN top 300 guy. See, that's the thing is when you do classes in football, it's weird because some guys play all four years, play as true freshman, Augie Sanchez. And then some, most guys though, redshirt. Yeah. So you have to count that two and 10 season, you know, that where they didn't even get on the field. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So that counts too for a lot of these guys. And so yeah. you have to sort of combine the two. But Marlon Mack, uh, Jimmy Bass, <laughs> uh, Vincent Jackson, this is Jackson Jr., who's an interesting follow on Twitter. Uh, Dearness Johnson, Quentin Flowers. You know, even though they were only here for a year or two, uh, Demetrius Hill, Jamie Bird were part of that class. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tajay Fullwood, Tyree McCants, uh, Dietrich, Juwan Brown, Stanley Clairvaux, Mazzie Wilkins, Devin Abraham, Kano Dillon. I mean, what a- there's there's a lot of NFL talent in this class and MVS. Like I mean, there's you know, yeah. there's there's some there's some NFL guys in this class. You, I, I remember at one point USF had three guys picked in a row in the draft, and I think in that t- draft they had a total of four. I want to say. Yeah, I think it was. Um, I think it was. Was it the Anthony Henry year? Yeah. When uh, Bill went to. Uh-huh. With, uh huh. With Anthony Henry, Kenyatta Jones, and Bill Gramatica. I think we're those and, three picks in the, the third round or something like that. Uh, yeah, it was uh, third or fourth. And then um, they, uh, they've also had um, somebody else pick that year, I believe. So I, but this class in terms of like guys that you're going to watch continue to play football, I think this might be the most guys that we've seen out of one class, whether they get drafted or not, or mm-hmm. signed as UDFA or whatever. Um, hell of a lot of talent, you know, and like, you know, you, what gets overshadowed in this class is like, you know, Tyree McCants, one of the best, like, to watch as a fan, one of the best receivers USF has ever had. You know, yeah. like, we've had guys yeah. that have certainly had, you know, more breakaway speed and, you know, more, you know, NFL type of skills and, you know, sure. But who, I mean, Tyree McCants is like what you want out of a college player. He'll just run somebody over, block downfield, or he can make plays himself. And and that guy's going to get overshadowed in this class because they're so deep and so talented. So, you know, just huge thanks to them. Um, and I, I I hope that they don't the last it. I hope the last thing that they remember about USF isn't senior night, looking up and seeing a not too filled ballpark. That's going to be unfortunate, and that is what's going to happen. Yeah, and that's not great. Um, I think was it you that put out the poll? About the attendance yeah. and mm-hmm. I, I, I most people pay? were well under twenty six k. I'm going, you know. I think I did the eighteen to twenty one, and I didn't feel great about it. Yeah, I think I'm eighteen to twenty one as well, and that's that's kind of hopeful. But it, and that uh, is the winner. That is the winner right now. It is uh, 
457 votes, 32% under 17K, 38%, uh, 18 to 21K, 21%, 22 to 25K, and over 26K, 8%. Um, so 8% of our fan base is uh, not, yeah, really, <laughs> really pro bowls. We'll just call them really pro bowls. On okay. Um, also, this game uh, is also Pride Night. It is. And so, let's give that a shout out as well, because those there's a couple of different things. There's Pride Night. There's um, there's something else as well. But uh, there's a great deal. If you want a shirt, uh, you're LGBT or you're uh, an ally. There are I think it's the deal is 25 bucks. You get a T-shirt, um, a USF Pride football T-shirt and a game ticket if you haven't done that yet. And something they're doing another ticket deal as well. There is another ticket deal is being announced. I don't know if it's public yet. I don't want to say anything, but I've heard that there's doing they're doing something even above and beyond what's already out there for some other folks. Uh, there was an alumni one for, I think, 17 or 15 bucks um, yeah. that I saw. So, I mean, they're trying to get the fans out. And basically it's going to be it's 15 bucks to get in the building if you want to go to this game and honestly, you're going to probably be able to get tickets in the parking lot even cheaper. If yeah. you're in town, if you, if you have a chance to be there, go to the game. Like it's just, you know, it would be really nice to see these kids be able to look up in the stands and see some people. They've earned it. Like it, just to, if for nothing else to support Quentin flowers and everything he's gone through. And, you know, Willie Taggart recruited his ass off in 2014, 2015, but his by far his best recruiting job was getting Quentin to stay when he wanted yeah. to leave. Yeah. Where's then, this team? If where's Quentin this team? If where's this team? If they don't beat Syracuse in the second half. Yeah. 2015. Like it's just like it turned on a dime so fast and it changed so quickly. And these guys were the reason for that. And you know, just a fantastic job. Maybe USF has Scott Frost. I'm I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Not totally an unreasonable scenario, by the way. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, right. Also, uh, SoFlo Thursday. The they're changing up their uniforms. We got we're going with white and we're doing the SoFlo colors. And I pray to God that they have the lime, the lime green shirts. And I hope they're hanging out because I love when crotchety old white people get pissed off <laughs> about jerseys. I it it gives me life when old white people complain about an undershirt being untucked. It just, I love it. I, I, I love it so much. I like that with the green so flow. The, the uh, I love these new white ones. They're so, it's a clean alternate. It looks really solid. Although it's strange to be wearing white at home, especially when it's it a is. new Jersey, when the sure. original ones were green. And you know, going back to that Syracuse game, uh, that was the last time we wore white jerseys. Anthony pointed that out to me in the Slack channel because my memory is trash and I totally forgot about that. So first time since 2015 at home that we're wearing white. And let's hope there's some magic in that. Uh, also, that there's jersey, jersey combo. Also, there's some people that have mentioned um, we have referenced some jerseys that are in the closet that are absolute stone cold hot sex flames this isn't yep. it um nope. and it doesn't look like those jerseys are going to get used this year or i don't ever. see a spot where they could ever 
I mean, they're not throwing them away. You know? um, now, here's the deal. If the Under Armour, if it's no longer Under Armour, they're getting thrown away. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, uh, and uh, by the way, I do have a request in to find out more about how that process is going, whether or not I actually get anything back or whether or not they dodge, you know, play dodgeball on that. We'll see. But I, uh, these are not the super fire flames jerseys. If anything, I want USF to renew the contract with Under Armour just because I want these things to be worn. So goddamn bad. Like they're just, mm-hmm. it just, it's the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. And I just want to see it someday, but we'll see if they ever do it. I don't know if they will, but I do want to get a hot take out before okay. uh, we end. Okay. So we're talking about jerseys and hot take right here, guys. Mm-hmm. The iconic you that's on everything trash i hate it i hate it so much wow this is the worst take ever in the history of this podcast i hate it i was thinking about it today and i was like gross i don't like it change the it. worst take you have it, ever had it is so bad it's the best thing the university's ever done it's the best piece of branding the university's ever done it's so when you went from lc to cow when you went from lc to cow to the electric goat which is what i went through when i was a student here however many years ago like you cannot no no just wrong this is just have you seen this is just absolutely so i worked i worked in the trailer when they were going through the logo change process we knew a new logo was coming and one day uh tom v who is now with the usl the united soccer leagues i think he's the commissioner of the united soccer leagues which is like He he was part of the xfl he was part of the XFL. He worked for like the Philadelphia Union and MLS. He's he, the guys had like 900 jobs in sports. Yeah. Uh, but he had in his office one day all of the like proposed logos on like polo shirts. And that was the first time I got to see them. And as soon as I saw the iconic U of all of the ones that I saw, I went, God damn it. I hope that's the logo. And son of a bitch, if it was, I'm telling you that branding of that logo has been the best thing that look USF screws up a ton. We have done so much dumb shit that I have been able to document over the years, but with credit when it's due, man, they crushed it with that logo. This is the worst take I've ever heard on this podcast. That thing crushes life. I hate it. Name a better iconic logo. Name a better iconic logo. Like this is like for a school at our level. It does not exist. This, I, I guess this is like one of the only things I'm just super old school and curmudgeon and get off my lawn about is I loved the bull. I love the old bull. It's trash. I, oh, it's you're trash. It was trash. I'm sorry. It was terrible. It was complicated. It didn't make any sense. It, like, it was like a weird diamond shape. You know, I still have the basketball shorts, by the way, which I love. Um, and they're super cool and throwbacky and whatever, but the the iconic U is the best piece of branding. It is school that doesn't always brand itself really well, as shown by the nine thousand different entrance changes that you see on Fowler Avenue and like the different signs they put up. And now they're putting the fence around the university with the look with the iconic U built into the fencing. They're trying to like encapsulate the campuses in it. And then yeah. like sometimes they have the brick entrance on Fowler Avenue. And then they took that down. They built another brick entrance on Fowler Avenue. Yada, yada, yada. All the other shit they do, whatever. The iconic U is the best single piece of branding this university has ever done. Full credit to them for that. They did a really, really good job with it. And they have stuck with it and they need to stay with it because it's, 
it's it is it's much a part of the university and that is one of the hardest things to do when you change your logo because you have people to get all crotchety and whatever and with the exception of the hot taker on my podcast who just gave the worst hot take in the history of this podcast mm-hmm. basically everyone loves the logo you're wrong you're wrong you're wrong this is bad Agree to disagree. I think it's trash. You think it's fantastic. <laughs> you're just you're just really bad at um, assessing logos and whatnot. It's fine. It happens. You know, people have flaws, Colin, and this just happens to be yours. So, so sidebar. What about the mm-hmm. the the bull shield with the cartoony grin smile alternate logo? You know, you know. What I'm oh, talking about? the soccer logo. Yeah, like the the the, the sideways bull. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that one too. Um, they, the soccer team wanted something that like fit on a shield, and so that's what they came up with. And I always thought the soccer logo was kind of underutilized. I think it's cool. Yeah, it's decent. I'm a fan. I do like that. I wish. Uh, I'm not gonna say I wish they would put like it on a helmet or anything. I wish they would use it on like you know maybe a baseball uniform every once in a while or a you know something non soccer because I think it's super. I have a soccer uh, Under Armour shirt with it. And I think it looks super cool. It looks, it's like a black shirt with that logo on it and it blends really well and it looks pretty cool. Hmm. I like the, uh, the basketball shorts you wore the other day, the SoFlo. Oh yeah. Yeah. I got, uh, I think I have Malik Martin shirts, shorts from, uh, last year. I got them at the <laughs> sale. They're pretty sweet. I've got, uh, uh, Brad McKean's, um, sweats. <laughs> Awkward. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow we fit in the same pants. <laughs> Amazing how that works. All right. Are we done here? Yeah, we're done, I guess. Mm-hmm. All right. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. Appreciate you guys listening.